Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Talks and Tastings Studios, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's, what's behind, behind the collar. This is Bullhagen. This is Berg. And this is Vicker. You look confused. You've never... Why did you... It's like you've never done a podcast before. Yeah. I get excited. Hey, you notice, probably noticed this, Peter, when you were here for Thanksgiving. I've been calling a lot of people bro for no reason. Yeah, you have been doing that a lot recently. You'll always call me bro, but it's usually sarcastic. You just like, sup, bro. Like, so I didn't notice anything. I different. actually have been using when I get upset now. It's like, bro. <laughs> it's like, what's going on? Anyways, that's the problem with using that kind of language, uh, ironically. Uh, Berg, when was the last time you called someone bro? Um... You know me, I've called people friend, ironically, for a lot of years. You do that when you don't remember their name? Yeah, or I'll or I'll do it when I'm talking to somebody, somebody they don't particularly like, and I'll be like, well, your buddy, so-and-so. <laughs> <laughs> I like a boss or chief for that one. I like a big guy. That's what I do. <laughs> Way to go, boss. Great job. Or you could do a uh, uh, guy. <laughs> yeah, that's a popular one, too. Right. Listen, guy. Right, right. Hey, Berg, has that ever happened to you where... You're saying a prayer with someone. For some reason, you were just not confident on their name. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is actually <laughs> one of my big fears that it's like, okay, it's this person, it's this person, it's this person, it's this person, it's this person. It's like, I I know it's this name. I know it is. Because what happens actually for me is when you're at a congregation long enough, you kind of you know people by their faces and your oh, interaction, and yeah. you don't think of them according to their name. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not always like, when you see them in church, you're not always like, Hey, Jack, how you doing? It's like, I don't know. It's weird. Maybe it's an age thing. Well, it can also be sort of a comfort thing, too, because you get to know somebody so well that you just, you don't really use their name a whole lot. Right. Actually, I have to, it's weird. It's weird. So we actually got an email giving us feedback that they loved our movie uh, episode. Yeah. By the way, I'm going to say this. So Han is our podcast mom, right? Yeah. I, I, I'm thinking about making this guy the podcast super fan. Oh, yeah. The official super fan. The, the official super fan. Because he is the one that emails the most. He makes us music. He actually, get this, he loved the movie episode without actually without actually watching the movie. He, he just, just listened to it <laughs> as a listened podcast. Listened to it. <laughs> that must have been, he says he loves it. That was so boring. Surely without, like, you don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> It's probably the theater of the mind. I could I could see this, right? Mm. Of, okay, of okay, Peter, can you send this uh, email to the Discord thing? I want to see this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. I, I kind of have this had this effect when the kids would watch a movie in the back of the van, and I'm trying to piece together what's actually happening in the movie in my head oh, yeah. while I'm driving, you know, just going by the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I wonder if that was it, if he was trying to imagine what was going on. Or it's like when a random like older person comes up and starts giving you their life story and you're like trying to figure it out as you're talking to them, but you really have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Yep. Serious, seriously quality content. Quality. Uh, that is amazing. So we haven't made it clear. It's uh, the Baron himself, Baron Albatross. Yeah. With an the, O, right? Yeah, with an O, not an E. <laughs> yes. So he says, Listen to the whole thing without the movie. It was great. He says he teared up laughing at the part about getting pneumonia from breathing water. Seriously, quality content. Please do it again. And he, he suggests watching Akira, which I think is so far out of left field for this crowd. <laughs> what What is Akira? That's an anime. Oh, an anime oh movie. I, I'd be it's up for watching old, like, that. That'd be fine. Is it 90s or maybe even 80s? It's really, it's relatively old. Dude, that completely fits this crowd. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Bullhagen wouldn't handle it because you'd have to read subtitles. We'd have to watch the dub. <laughs> right. Um, he also said uh, regarding his <coughs> recent music entry, Ice, uh, that he has no particular animosity for Vicar, just advancing the joke of throwing him to the wild animals, which, you know, fair. Fair. Yeah. He says, since I liked it so much, I being Peter, since Peter liked it so much, uh, he attached a copy of a couple other songs he did. And I haven't had the chance to listen, so William, we can talk about that maybe next week. Awesome. 
No, he's not the only one who's listened to it without the movie, and and that listener actually enjoyed it too. Really, listening to us without watching the movie. So, <laughs> wow, I would have never thought of it. I would have just skipped it personally. I would have got like the three minutes in uh, to listening to what we're doing. Went these guys are idiots, and then just turned it off. Right? No, but we could quality comment the content we got. Right? You know, my parents used to tell me that they watched the episode. Now they really can. Right. I'm, I'm going there. I'll be, be going to be there next week. Maybe I should set that up for them. There you go. Nice. Man, I'm going to get a lot of questions, though. Because then <laughs> the, the problem with that is, is I'll be sitting with my parents while my mom hears that I was breathing bathwater. I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs> so a bird is uh, nestled into his... His studio with two feet of snow surrounding him. Is it windy too? Not at all. Actually, the sun is so powerful that a lot of it has melted already. Mm. It's kind of cool. The icicles hanging off the roof are probably three to four feet long. It's oh. it's pretty rad. Wow. I can tell you you're digging it. It's pretty rad, man. I like <laughs> living like where the shi- where plate where things like the shining can happen. That could happen anywhere though. Getting snowed <laughs> in, that is. Oh. Oh. Speaking yeah. of all all work and no play, I've got five out of those six Bible studies done for on soul sleep and that sort of thing. So wow, oh man, man, I wish I had your focus, Berg. So you know, keeping it real. Poor we'll Vicar had those to, to the website or whatever. Vicar had to to witness me pumping gas into my car and us go. <laughs> he, did you feel the pain that I was going through? I I could. It was yeah. palpable. It was in the air. Yes. Yes. His inability to wait for something. Casey's where it's like in a gallon a minute. Oh, you kidding me? Anyways, we should talk about the text. <laughs> Peter is shaking his head. Quality content. Quality content. Yeah, sometimes it's funny. My wife will hear a compliment to me and she'll think to herself, are we talking about the same guy? <laughs> yeah, that's that's how the text goes. All right, Let's so, do the text, huh? <laughs> this is Advent 1. Uh, Berg has a big announcement because there are some people, we got a, a comment on Facebook asking Berg to do the three-year text two with us yeah because he uses a three-year <laughs> of course you're gonna so make what's your big that, announcement you? what's your big announcement berg well it's not really new but i've been on the three-year now for a while so aren't, uh, aren't you going on the one year i thought you said you're going on the one year no no i not yet so <laughs> all right so what's the text the text is the gospel according to saint matthew the 21st chapter uh when they drew near to jerusalem and came to bethphage to the mount of olives Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey, tied, and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Yes. So, Vicar, why do you think this is on the first Sunday of Advent? It's the triumphal entry. Yeah. Where uh, Christ enters Jerusalem to uh, go to his his eventual death and the beginning of Advent, we look forward to that. Uh, so it's a bit of foreshadowing. Yeah. Don't they have like uh, stories about that donkey? Yes. Have you heard any of these? Um, there's actually a poem by G.K. Chesterton about it. I can look that up quick. G.K. Chesterton. Oh. Hmm. I was thinking about that because, so we're in the studio, right? And while you're reading, I was thinking of my, our favorite guest on the podcast. Chris Christian? No. Oh. No. Bishop, Archbishop Joseph Abolo. Oh, yes. And his love for Shrek, right? Oh, I see where you're going. And yep. his particular favorite character. Donkey. Donkey. So I was like, let's <laughs> imagine the triumphal entry with Shrek donkey. That's all. So Jesus riding into Jerusalem with a donkey making sassy comments on <laughs> right. how people are dressed as he walks right. by. Can't you imagine like <laughs> the donkey getting full of himself? Like, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I'm carrying the Christ. I don't want to talk about the donkey because I don't want to get canceled. But So, Berg, what's this poem? All right, do you want me to read it? Is it long? It's not too long. Okay. So it's The Donkey by G.K. Chesterton. 
When fishes flew and forests walked and figs grew upon thorn, some moment when the moon was blood, then surely I was born. With monstrous head and sickening cry and ears like errant wings, the devil's walking parody on all four-footed things. The tattered outlaw of the earth, of ancient crooked will, starve, scourge, deride me. I am dumb, I keep my secret still. Fools, for I also had my hour, one far fierce hour and sweet. There was a shout about my ears and palms before my feet. Hey, you, first of all, I'm not surprised you knew that, that there was a poem and who it was from. So uh, could you explain that poem to me? <laughs> yeah. So the first stanza, when fishes flew and forest walks and figs grew upon thorn and the moon is blood, then surely I was born. This is talking about the, the end of days, right? Fish don't mm -hmm. fly, forests don't walk, and thorns don't produce figs, like Jesus says. And yet all of these contradictory, crazy things are happening. We know that Jesus says that the moon will be as blood uh, before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And this is when the donkey is born. He's born in the midst of the end of the world. You know, the last things that Christ coming is the beginning of the end. And then with monstrous head, because donkeys have weird heads, and sickening mm -hmm. cries because, you know, right, they make they weird do. noises. Hey, hey, mm -hmm. Vicar, what sound does a donkey make? I'm, I'm not going to do that. Oh, oh come on, You know, uh, so far all the other Vickers have done that, but. You're trying to peer pressure me right now? <laughs> no, no, no. No, no. I don't, I don't play that game. No, no, it's all right. So anyway, uh, the ears like errant wings because donkeys have really long ears, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the devil's walking parody on all four-footed things. So donkeys are weird looking and kind of strange. And that gets us into the second, into the third um, stanza here. The tattered outlaw of the earth. I mean, this could refer to uh, Ishmael being a wild donkey of a man. The wild mm -hmm. donkey talked about in Job who can't be bound by anybody and runs from here and there of ancient crooked will, because donkeys are supposed to be stubborn. Uh, starve, scourge, deride me, I am dumb, I keep my secrets still. So what do you do with a donkey that doesn't do what you want it to do? Well, you do terrible things to it. You beat it like Balaam, right? Mm -hmm. But unlike Balaam's donkey, donkey, this donkey is dumb and he keeps his secret. And then he calls us all fools. Fools, for I also had my hour. And one far fierce hour and sweet. There was a shout before my ears and palms before my feet. This is because he bore the Son of God into the city of Jerusalem. That's a now that you explain it a little bit better. That's a beautiful poem. Yeah, I thought it was a, a good way of contrasting kind of the the ugliness and and what we think about with donkeys that they are stubborn, that they're kind of funny looking and kind of weird looking. I mean, all of these ancient characters, you know, like for example, in Midsummer Night's Dream, uh, one of the characters there is given a donkey's head and made fun of for it. Midas is given donkey's ears by Apollo, which he's made fun of for. Right. <laughs> you know, and of course, there are all of the the references in the Bible to, you know, donkeys, like in, you know, Balaam, for example, and, mm -hmm. and the like. So, and yet this what, it, poor beast of burden is the one who carries the son of God in. And what I like about it is the fact that uh, that in the poem, it is Christ that in his presence, not anything in the donkey itself, it is Christ that kind of lifts lifts this up, you know, his right. connection with Jesus. And uh, this is why why uh, humanity is what it is. Well, as uh, we heard here in, in Hebrews, uh, that God didn't come to as an angel. Yeah, he comes as a man. And then that's what well, what makes man special, one created in, our, in his image, but also the fact that when, when God sent his son, he sent his son as one of us. And that's that's what's one of the biggest things that separates us. This is how we we are we know uh, the primacy of of human, and and yeah. Also, I like the fact that uh, you can learn from that uh, of faith, meaning you can compare how the world would see the donkey with the the world the the world that sees believers in Christ. We kind of view us like donkeys, mm -hmm. and dumb, unintelligent. Uh, we seemingly have less and less of a voice in in the world and context in which we live. Uh, but at the same time, we are the ones that, that hold Christ and, and listen to him by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Vicar, I like, I like where we're going with this because I think there could be some Advent sermon themes that, that we can learn from the poem and apply, apply into the text of how we understand uh, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. What kind of world he came, came to. 
Mm-hmm. What is it that brings, that sanctifies? Mm-hmm. Who is it? What kind of king uh, is it? And what ki- kind of king do people look for in, in, the, in, in the, the Savior? What is it that, f- that the people around, that, around Jesus, what was it that f- caused them to fail to see who that actually was? What was it that caused the jealousy of the Pharisees and the chief priests? All of those things, I think, in some way, can be applied to that poem. Yeah, would you say that? Would you say say that? But not that I would quote the poem because because that would seem awfully out of character for me as a preacher. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't go too much against nature, right? Right, right. But I could see you quoting the poem. Yeah, I you know I think it's definitely a, a very interesting thing, right? Because the donkey in that poem represents not only not only talks about its birth at being the end of the world and a beginning of a new age, which is what this is, right? And I think that's another good reason and a good thing to bring up at Advent is, no, this is the new year. We don't count time like the world counts time. Yeah. That that fish fly and forests walk, the moon turns to blood. We live in a new age. Just like when were you born, for example. <clears throat> right. Uh, were you born when the doctor uh, slapped our behinds? Or were you born uh, when... Uh, you were baptized in the name of Jesus. Right. Yeah. Well, so, there's, you have any other thoughts on the text, Berg? Um, there's a lot in the names here. Bethphage means uh, the city of unripened figs, and that's where he goes. And this tells us a lot about what Jesus is going to encounter, because what does he do to the fig tree on which he doesn't find any figs? He curses it, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that actually fits really well. Jerusalem means possession of peace. Well, Jerusalem is the place where they kill the prophets. It hardly seems like a place of peace. And yet here, uh, to quote the poem again, right, figs will come from thorns and peace will be given, just not the peace that the world expects hmm. from a king that they did not expect. Right. And in fact, didn't want Building a kingdom that the world did not expect yeah, nor want. Another thing you could do with the donkey here, too, is, you know, look at the parallel leading, reading in Luke, where you find we find out that the colt, no one's ever sat on the colt before. And you can make connections then to First um, Samuel, where the Ark of the Covenant is pulled by two milk cows upon, you know, which have never known the yoke. That sacred things are set apart for sacred things. And, and I never really thought about that way, but if 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 no one has ridden that donkey, that uh, that shows some control over the situation. Doesn't it take time to get a donkey used to carrying someone? You th- you or, think so, right? And yet, what right. does he do? He sits down, just like he shows his almighty power by telling them very interesting things. That's another thing you could bring up: the almightiness of the Lord here. With what does he say? What are they supposed to say when people ask him what they're doing? You could repeat this phrase over and over again. The Lord has need Mm -hmm. of it. Play with that phrase. I mean, what a crazy phrase that is. The Lord needs this. Doesn't he tell them in the Old Testament that, you know, the cows on 10,000 hills are his, that he neither slumbers nor sleeps? And yet, does he lie? No. Nevertheless, the Lord has need of it. Well, I think the same thing can be asked in Advent, too, because Advent is a time of fasting, of almsgiving and the like, right? Mm -hmm. What does the Lord have need of today? Perhaps not for his own sake, but for the sake of his church. And and his his almightiness in the sense of of any other king, if they were going to build a kingdom, what kind of uh, animal would they need? War horses, right? Chariots, Mm -hmm. power, shock and awe. Um, That's not what this king uses. So those would be be some of the points I'm thinking of bringing out. Because, I mean, honestly, the, the mark and reading isn't too different here, really, from that. Um, so, yeah. All right. So, we have something we haven't done for a while. We haven't done a campfire catechesis. So, Peter, can you get the fire going? You have to play the intro, man. Peter, play the intro. So- Gather around, everyone. Time for campfire catechesis. It's so wonderful to hear that campfire again. So Don't you think, Vicar? It's very calming. I'm actually wearing snow pants. <laughs> My son was very, very sad today because 
his snow pants were in the wash and he couldn't wear them. So he ran outside with just, uh, you know, one of those little sleeveless vests on. Yeah. And pants, but no coat. So <laughs> he's tough. You're, you're, you're growing a strong one there, Berg. That's the way we roll. So leave it to Berg to bring up a topic that we haven't thought of. No one really thinks of much. Yeah, right? Yeah. So I sent out a question because I knew we were going to be recording and to a couple people, and they, they asked this question. And it wasn't really in question form, but it was usury versus interest in light of the parable of the talents. Okay. So, so we'll begin at the beginning here and kind of define terms. I'm hoping everyone listening to this podcast knows what interest is. This is yes. not like showing uh, concern about something, but this right. is what happens when you put your money in a financial institution and receive a percentage of that money back the longer you keep it in there. Right. Compounding so, the issue. Yes. So anyway, so what is usury? So this is the definition of usury. The sum paid for the use of money, hence interest, not as in the modern sense, exorbitant interest. The Jews were forbidden to exact usury. We see that in Leviticus 25, 36, and 37. Only, however, in their dealings with others. Deuteronomy 23, 19, and 20. The violation of this law was viewed as a great crime. Psalm 15, 5, Proverbs 28, 8, and Jeremiah 15, 10. After the return from exile and later... This law concerning usury was must, was much neglected, and those verses are Nehemiah 5, 7, and 10. So, just some of the Bible passages here. Leviticus 25, if, your bro- if one of your brethren becomes poor and falls into poverty among you, then you shall help him like a stranger or a sojourner that he may live with you. Take no usury or interest from him, but fear your God that your brother may live with you. You shall not lend him your money money for usury, nor lend him your food at a profit. Same thing in Psalm 15, where the first verse asks, asks us a question. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle, who may dwell in your holy hill? Which is basically like, okay, who can dwell with God and Verse 5b at the end says, he who does these things shall never be moved, okay? So the stuff in the middle is the important stuff. I mean, that's what Hebrews, that's what the Hebrews do. They mm-hmm. make, like, it's kind of like a sandwich, right? What's the most important part of a sandwich? The, the meat. middle. The meat, <laughs> right? It's the meat. That's the most important part of a sandwich. So what is one of these things that's mentioned here? He who does not put out his money at usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. And Proverbs 28.8 says this, One who increases his possessions by usury and extortion gathers it for him who will pity the poor. And then we also have the story in 2 Kings 4, 1-7. This is the miracle of the oil pots because a woman's husband, and he was a son of the prophets, he died and he and his family, his wife and, and her children, were going to be sold as slaves because they owed debts mm. because of usury. Okay. Deuteronomy 23 also talks about this. You shall not charge interest to your brother, interest on money or food or anything that is lent out at interest. To a foreigner you may charge interest, but to your brother you shall not charge interest. That the Lord your God may bless you in all to which you set your hand in the land which you are entering to possess. <laughs> And this, of course, is mentioned again in Luke chapter 6, where Jesus says, And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. So what kind of conclusions can we take from these Bible passages? Well, usury is forbidden in the Bible because it impoverishes and eventually enslaves people. Interest is not completely forbidden, as we see in Deuteronomy, so it cannot be an inherently evil practice. The point that Jesus is making, and, well, the whole Bible is making, rather, is that we ought to love our neighbor and not take advantage of his poverty. Right. Make sense? Yeah, and it's... When you're looking at, at how the Old Testament uses it, it is not used in the sense of ceremonial law. There's some in that when you talked about the temple. Right, um, right. So it would be ceremonial law, 
which only applied to the Jewish people. However, I think the concept of not ta- not kicking your brother while he's down. That's a moral. That that belongs Be- to the moral law. <laughs> right. Right. And using it, what you have to show love, is teaching us in that how is it that you love your neighbor? Mm-hmm. And, and that is how, in the context, it was being used. Now, it's interesting that this gets mentioned in, in the Gospel of Luke because who was the Gospel of Luke written for? The Jews. The, Prim- the Gentile. Gentile. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Primar- well, the, the Greek Jewish people, yeah. Right. Primarily, primarily the Gentiles, right? Well, what was going on in the Roman Empire at this point? Because I think that's interesting, right? Matthew doesn't talk as much about money. It seems like Luke mm-hmm. is always talking about money. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a reason for that, a reason that, I don't know, Vicar, you can tell me if you covered this at seminary, but as I've done some research, it's interesting how much of this we didn't actually talk about. And it really puts things into perspective. So the Romans were notorious for their tax farming, even among their own people. And I'm getting a lot of my information here from Adams, from Brooks Adams. He was a writer in the late 19th century. He was a descendant of um, presidents John Adams and John Quincy Adams. And he wrote a book called The Law of the Decay of the Civilization. And you can get that on like on Kindle, I think, for maybe a few bucks. So he kind of describes what was going on in the Roman world before and during the life of Jesus and even after. So this is what is written here. To understand the condition of the plebeian debtors, imagine that the whole of the private debts in a given country were turned into bills at a year, bearing interest at 20% or more, and that the non-payment of them were followed on summary process by imprisonment and by the transfer of the debtor's whole property to the creditor, even though it exceeded what he owed. Thus, the usurer first exhausted a family and then sold it. And as his class fed on the insolvency and controlled legislation, the laws were as ingeniously contrived for creating debt as for making it profitable when contracted. Rome's policy was to farm the taxes, that is to say, after assessment, to sell them to a publican, that is, a tax collector who collected what he could. The business was profitable in proportion as it was extortionate, and the country was subjected to a levy unregulated by law and conducted to enrich speculators. In Cicero's time, whole provinces of Asia Minor were stripped bare by the traffic. And one of their own, a guy by the name of Livy, says this about his people. Every patrician house, so a patrician is like a nobleman, was a jail for debtors. And that in seasons of great distress, after every sitting of the courts, herds of sentenced slaves were led away in chains to the house of the nobles. So, does it make sense why, like, tax collectors were hated so much? Yeah. Because the, were. the Romans were impoverishing whole provinces. They were bankrupting entire countries. They were selling people into slavery left and right. I've been reading a book, a biography of a, of a man who opposed the Romans about 100 years before Christ was born, and his name was Mithridates. And he was, in, he was born in an area which was called Pontus, which is the north middle part of what we now know as is Turkey on the coast. And he actually fought the Romans. He committed a great massacre against them in, in uh, B.C. 80 uh, and murdered them all and set free all their slaves. Why? Because the Romans were just blood-sucking parasites. They were leeches. They destroyed people's lives. And so it makes sense that Jesus would be saying, look, this is how the Romans act. You're not supposed to act this way with others. Mm -hmm. Because it destroys cultures, communities, families, provinces. It makes people dependent. It also explains in in Acts, written by Luke, how he goes out of his way to talk about the first Christians and how they handled their affairs. They sold sold all they had, and then they kind of lived in a commune kind of together. Right, because there was no other way to do it. Otherwise, people would have either starved to death or had to have been sold into slavery. And this is why Mm -hmm. Paul, in his missionary activities, is always reaching out to the churches for financial help. He's raising money to save this poor Jerusalem congregation because they have been struck by a famine. And so 
I think this is definitely something to keep in mind that um, loan sharks aren't just a thing of today. Like that was how banking was done in the ancient world. Right. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty awful, right? And this is why the tax collectors, they ruined people's lives. And yet even these, along with the harlots, the prostitutes, they are the ones who are entering into the kingdom of heaven before the Pharisees. I mean, this, this is a shocking message. This is why Zacchaeus, that Jesus would even deign to set foot in his house, is huge. Like, he was a very rich tax collector, which means he extorted people for a living. Right. Like, this is what he did. Right. It wasn't just, oh, he just took a little extra off the top. It was literally destroying lives. everyone's property. He took their property. He sold their family into slavery. And yet Jesus says, salvation has come to this house this day. So, I mean... So before yeah. you, you're going to talk about the, the parable, right? I would like to lead us to a discussion on how do we see this today. Maybe you're going there. But, yeah, for example, we were talking, I think it was, everyone's will have a little conversation after record, right? Mm-hmm. We were talking about uh, buying a house. <laughs> how impossible it seems like it is to buy a house anymore. Like Peter, like where he lives, he... If you want to talk about this, you don't have a lot of hope in buying a house anytime soon, right? Oh yeah, no, I'm not, I'm never never gonna have a house at least here, right? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I mean, it would be very very difficult to buy a house here. And and when they to ask why is it? It's not like our population has grown that much, you know. Uh, it's not like we're knocking down all these houses. Like, what's going on? <laughs> so at some point, you'd have to say. There's something, someone's making a lot of money on this, mm-hmm. this racket. Yeah, exactly. That, a lot of uh, uh, artificial inflation and things in the market going on. Well, and this is where, too, you know, I think inflation, charging interest in and of itself isn't inherently evil. The thing that it's always tied with in the Bible is that, like, this is your brother. You don't, you know, your brother in the faith. You don't take advantage of him. Right. And you don't impoverish him. You don't destroy him. Um, today, you know, I mean, I, I got this question at like 1030 and I had a lot to do today. So I can't talk about modern economic assumptions uh, <laughs> the way that I would like to. <laughs> um, I did contact a professor at the seminary and he actually recommended that I start reading this Journal of Markets and Morality, which is something that I definitely want to do. Um, but so I can't I can't talk uh, cogently or coherently about modern economic systems. Um, but what I can say this is this is that we should not be charging excessive interest on people. We should not be destroying them. Uh, rather, we should be helping fellow Christians at the very least. Right. And I mean, unfortunately, there are cults that do this better than we do. Like oh yeah, like for example, the Mormons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. We should actually like. I'm kind of like, well, why not? Why don't we just loan this money to them? Right. You know, I just if we want Christians to live in our towns, if we want actually, if we want to actually be a community, then why don't we do things like this? Right. Right. Why aren't we willing to sacrifice some like financial needs so that way these people could come and live and be in a community of other Christians? Yeah, you don't see that very often. Yeah, and I wouldn't even say it's financial needs. It would just be financial gain. Like, you could still even charge interest. Like, I'm not opposed to people charging whatever the rate of inflation is. Okay, yeah. That's fine. Right. You know, so that way you don't lose any buying power. That's fine. Because, obviously, our money is just made out of paper. Mm -hmm. You know, if our country collapsed, we could use it for toilet paper, and that's about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right? I mean, unlike Mm -hmm. gold and silver, it doesn't actually have you know uh this sort of lasting value i can't remember what what it's called but as a medium of exchange uh the dollar isn't exactly this is why everyone they used to mockingly call them greenbacks yeah right and especially Mm -hmm. after the civil i mean they tried to get rid of this and go to more of a in species type right with coins Mm -hmm. made of gold and silver in fact you can still buy what's called junk silver in coin form i think they stopped doing quarters in in silver in what the ni- the late 1960s i want to say it's like 1968 1969 
but I'm not 100% sure on that. So, but but, the, but I'll, I'll I'll say this when we were talking about this whole discussion is the fact that it does seem to be set up in such a way to purposely get people in this kind of system. And in order to make money, you have to loan money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and this is where like if you find yourself in this predicament, dear Christian, listen to Dave Ramsey. Theologically, I don't know where he's at, but he's got some good stuff. Like, don't spend more than you have. I mean, I was I was reading an article from 2021 about Black Friday and Christmas presents and stuff, and one-third of Americans, so 30, I think the real percentage was like 36%, they, spo- they spent more than they could pay, and so they ended up accruing a debt on the average of $1,200 per family. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so it's like, don't spend more than you have. And in fact, save, like have a rainy day fund. Three to six months of wages saved up. Because, I mean, this is how you end up becoming a slave. And like, this is what happened to Joseph and the Egyptians. After a few years, everything ran out. And eventually they had to sell themselves into serfdom. You can read about that in Genesis chapter, what is it, 48, yeah. Vicar? Yep, 48. So, so there are things you can do, like pay your credit cards off right away. Don't let the 20-some percent interest destroy you. So, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, so then you were leading to the parable. Yeah, right? so this was all, this was all done, this was all asked in reference to the parable of the talents, which is Matthew 25, 14 through 30, which was the <laughs> reading, I think, last week or the week before in the three-year lectionary. And I'm going to focus especially on verse 27, where the master, who of course is Jesus, says, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Okay, so I guess the question the way that I'm reading the question here is, is does Jesus actually, is he endorsing charging interest? And okay. of course, the answer here is no, okay? He's not. Here's something I found from Schaefer on this. The bankers here mentioned were persons who received money on deposit and interest in order to loan it to others at a still higher rate. The extortions which money lenders practiced gave an odious sense in the course of time to the word usury, that is illegal interest. The spiritual sense is this. Thou hast not only not sought after eminent attainments in knowledge, faith, and love, but thou hast not even attempted to fulfill with an honest heart the lowest and most ordinary duties of religion. If we Christians cannot all personally preach the gospel to heathen nations, visit the sick, provide for all the poor, etc., we can at least avail ourselves of Bible, mission, and other benevolent societies and church institutions by making them our exchangers, that is, agents, alimoners, etc. It is the intention of the heart, the honest desire to live and labor for God's honor, to which the judge will look. So basically, when Jesus is saying that in the parable of the talents, he's saying, look, it's not that you just didn't use your talents for good. You didn't even do, like, the lowest thing. You buried your talent in the ground, which was stupid. Right. At the very least, you should have invested it with the bankers, but this shows how how evil your heart is. Uh, so can that, I tell you how, how I kind of... Yeah, go I, ahead. When I, when I consider this parable, this is how I, I often consider it, is... Jesus is the master, right? Who leaves yep. leaves these things uh, to his servants with the promise that he will come back, right? Mm-hmm. So what did specifically, um, and you'll have to look, is, is Jesus talking to his disciples or is this parable to the general public? But I, I've considered this in this way of, of Christ leaving, what did he leave the church? Uh, and, and you could say, talk of the night before he died. Uh, this do in remembrance of me in reference to the Lord's Supper. You can talk about John 20 when he gave his disciples a command to uh, um, forgive sins in his name, bind and and, and on earth, and what is bound on earth is bound in heaven. 
You could talk about it in reference to Matthew 28, where Jesus said, Go and make disciples of all <laughs> nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You could talk about his word, all the things that he left before he ascended into heaven. And so he essentially, not talking necessarily about money, but what specifically he left us. Are we going to sit on them uh, and allow them to do the work? Uh, what do you think about that, Bert? Yeah, I mean, this, you know, looking back into chapter 24, I mean, he is talking to his disciples here. And, you know, one thing we have to talk about is is that God gives his gifts unequally. You know, he does mm-hmm. give more to some people than to others. And the reason mm-hmm. why is because of their ability, right? And so mm-hmm. we ought to use the talents that God has given us, and not just money, but, you know, just as Paul talks about in the epistles, that if you have been given particular gifts, you know, speak. Speak as the oracles of God. If you've been given money, use it in charity. If you've been given a heroic sort of faith, exercise it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Don't let those things... If you've been given a great Bible knowledge, like produce Bible studies. If you've been given, you know, a face for radio, do podcasts, <laughs> right? If your face rings a bell, well, ring that and, bell. And think about it, right? Like, you know, Peter is serving God by making us, like, sound good, <laughs> right? I mean, honestly, like, he is he is using the talents that God has given him. And, of course, it's, you know, time, talents, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, 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 whatever, right? But it definitely takes him time, and he has been given the ability to do so. And so he's serving God's church by doing that. And that's a good thing, right? Because he's, he's not yeah, making a lot I of mean, money. How much money have we made from this? <laughs> uh, we, I mean, we've made no money because it right. all goes back I mean, to the that's show. the thing. Is like none of us are getting wealthy or rich off of this, and yet we have thousands I of people I, listening. I convinced you guys to let me buy a big hard drive. And I think I'm getting whiskey. That's about right. it. <laughs> so, you know, that's the thing. It's like, okay, so if you're talented in computer stuff, there are plenty of us stupid pastors who can, you know, make the content, but we think that there are little demons in the machine. We don't know how this works. This is why we need people to help us. This is why we need people fixing roads and, and doing all that kind of stuff, serving God according to their ability. What what makes me uh, the the text also though make me think of uh, specifically the disciples and what they will be using that he leaves at church is the fact that it's just an assumption by the master that these things will grow mm-hmm. that they'll do what they're supposed to do. Yeah, he's given these things to them and they should know what to do with them already. Yeah, but right. then yeah. I mean, isn't that our <coughs> job as pastors? Right. I, I look at my son yeah. like. Mm-hmm. I expect him to grow. I mean, he better yeah. not be three years old 20 years from now. <laughs> right? I mean, Christians should grow and mature in the faith. And part of mm-hmm. this is figuring out, okay, how can I serve the church? I have these abilities that God has given me, which is not only a recognition of the first article, but also of the third article. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. Bullhagen will, will tell you, every congregation is different. Every congregation can offer different things because of the people who make up that congregation. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. Which is, I appreciate that this congregation has uh, recognized that one thing we've been good at is training vicars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you guys have sacrificed um, for that. For the sake of know? the church. And that's great. That's exactly what it, what it should Lots be. Lots of money. <laughs> so, you know, I, I just think that's a big part of it is... <clears throat> Lutheranism. That one definitely gets me. Uh, I always say this to people who will listen to me that that's the most important thing Trinity does. Yeah, is pump out vicars. If everything if everything else Trinity did was gone, it's still worth it. Right. And that's the thing. You have brighter lights yeah. and you have lesser lights, and you know even among pastors, you just do right. There are pastors who are really good at particular things, and there are pastors that are really good at other things and rather than being in competition with one another or comparing ourselves with one another let's actually mm-hmm. say okay god has given me this how can i use it to expand his kingdom right and you know it might take some 
Because, I mean, if you're trading and you're making 10, you know, you're making double what you put in, that takes some creativity. Okay? Like, that takes <laughs> right. some creativity, right? So sometimes, like, we actually have to be creative in the ways in which we serve the church. And that's okay. That's a good thing. We don't have to walk the same well-beaten path. We don't have to be a Pastor Bullhagen. We don't have to be a Pastor Berg. We don't have to be anything. Like, let's just be us. Let's rejoice in the gifts that God has given mm-hmm. us and find ways to serve the church. Which is why I wanted to do a podcast with you, particularly, Berg, because we're so different. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yet it works. <laughs> yeah. Complimentary even. Yeah. I mean, this is how the church grows, yeah. right? It is a body, and that means you need different parts. Mm-hmm. The church grows by us watching the Meg. Well, it seems to. I mean, at least it, you know, it edified some people. <laughs> That's right. But I, That's right. I also wanted to say here, too, you know, Jesus does this with other things in daily life, too. You know, he uses images without endorsing them. Like, you know, hell is described as a debtor's prison in Matthew 5, right? Agree with your adversary quickly while mm-hmm. you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there until you have paid the last penny. Well, yeah, what, what, the way Jesus uses it is 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 going back to the loving your neighbor. Is as he uses descriptions that talk about sin, for example, as a debt we can't pay. Um, right. That that he is the one not seeking his own gain, but forgiving and so, it. And so rather and, than uh, using a debtor's prison, I mean, today we could talk about Guantanamo Bay. Right? Okay. I mean, because that seems like a particular kind of hell with torture and the like, right? So that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is actually yeah. being very incisive. He's taking images that people understand and saying, this is what, you know, you think this is hell? Hell is even worse. Because when you die, there is no paying the last penny. <coughs> or, for example, uh, how, how, war. War as picture for counting the cost as a Christian. Luke fourteen thirty one. Or what king going to make war with another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. I mean, Jesus isn't actually endorsing war there, right? No. <laughs> Right? Or your favorite parable, the shrewd servant, as a picture of being prudent and using his wealth, (laughs) rightly. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And honestly, the Lucan version of this parable, Luke 19, 11 through 17, the parable of the minas, is even more on the nose. So in verses 12 and 14, it says, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return, but his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. This is actually like Jesus is using the story of Herod the Great, who was originally a subordinate officer in Judea, who went to Rome afar off in those days to be declared by the Senate king of the Jews. And afterwards, Archelaus' son went on a similar errand, making suit to Augustus in Rome. So Jesus is actually using his mortal enemies to talk about himself. It is super based. Is that the right use of that, Peter? Okay, good. You nailed it. <laughs> super based? Have you don't, heard that before? Don't, don't, okay, don't, don't integrate this one into your vocabulary, please. Okay. I will die. <laughs> that would not be based. Uh, that would but not so, be based. Would it be bussin'? <laughs> no, that would not be bussin'. <laughs> Please don't use that word again. <laughs> See what I started, Peter? I shouldn't have done it. <laughs> Berg, I need that whiskey. Yep. It, it'll get there. They're listening, and they are going to send it to you. All right. Moving on. I believe we have a question from our podcast mom, Hannah. Peter, play the intro. Oh, sorry. Should I should I do it? I totally spaced. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do it. Do it. Keep that all in view, by the way. Yes, do it, please. Peter, play the intro. Confound the clerics. All right, for that one, Victor, you get to read the email from Hannah. Okay. She writes, Dear cleric, thank you for your discussion of the phrase, 
laid it on my heart. I have one point of clarification and one of <coughs> modification. Clarification. Someone asked, what if the Lord laid it on the heart of, of one of those people to celebrate Halloween instead of avoid it? The publication from which I quoted has an answer to that. Uh, educate your children about the reality of and worldview behind witchcraft. Keep your kids away from Ouija boards and similar doorways to demons. Redirect your kids' attention away from gory yard displays that normalize the desecration of the human body. Be respectful of those convicted differently. My favorite line is, quote, God might be convicting people differently on this issue for a reason, end quote. I think it's more likely that some people are conformed differently to Christ than others or have different family dynamics or past experiences. Further thoughts from you all? All right, so... Who should we stop there? All right. Yeah, stop there. So my son loves Halloween. He loves it. He dresses up every day. He asks me every single day <laughs> if he can go trick-or-treating. So, like, you know, his imagination, Halloween is awesome. He likes to right. be a spooky spider or a pumpkin or whatever, right? So, like... I don't know why don't, we have, why we have to you know involve the Lord in this. I mean, kids like to dress up. Kids like to pretend. Kids like to play. This is how they grow up. Right. I mean, Halloween is another way for them to right. do that. Yeah, I understand the stuff about witchcraft and blah blah blah. It, it you know this is why I want to actually resurrect Walpurgis Night. Amen. Do you know what this is? Yes, it is. Bigger Walpurgis Night. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea. But on first hearing, I assume it has something to do with Walther. No. Un- no. Uh, it actually has oh, to do with, with a nun in Germany. It's on April 30th and May 1st. And this is the night you burn effigies of witches. Oh, cool. Hmm. Which is something I actually want to resurrect because that is, you know, there's so much witchcraft in the world today, way more than there ever was. And yeah, I, I would say this, but my son doesn't care. Like he wants to be a spooky skeleton that goes wibble, wobble, wibble, wobble. I mean, <laughs> he's like, he's not being demonic. Right. He's just being fun. Right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, does, does this, this fall into the, this is why we can't have anything nice category where, where we have something and then we just got to take it too far. We just got to well, do things and, to wind up ruining it, make it, well, and if the Lord is convicting your heart differently, uh, holy buckets, maybe that's not the Lord. Because I can tell you what the Lord convicts us on, and that is the law. And that is for every single person. Right. For all time. So so going back to the, the related issues that is brought up that are brought up, you just have to take do the work and place those individually apart from what what certain you're doing with Halloween, right? Uh should you be educating your children about witchcraft? Certainly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, you should know? be burning witches while Purgus night. But then you can also take them Halloween trick-or-treating because they want to be, you know, my son was Darth Thomas this year. He was a mixture of Thomas the train engine and he wore a Darth Vader, Vader mask because he wanted a mask, which was awesome. It. So like. Was that, anyway. was that your idea? No, it was his. He actually wanted that. He is his father's son. <laughs> I don't know. He, he sounds like he might be more my personality, Berg. <laughs> well, you know, I I can go with it. So, Okay, and then the modification. All right, the modification. Uh, she continues saying, I was interested to hear one of you say that one can be convicted in ignorance. It seems to me that I am as often convicted in cognizance. For instance, in a past episode that dropped before Baby Flip Flop did, Pastor Berg was real talking about the current culture of death, down to skull and crossbones designs on baby's clothing. After a baby was born and started gener- and started generated wet cloth diapers, I saw with new eyes the design on one of my wet sacks, Dia de las Muertas style skulls. I still use it because it's useful and I didn't pay for it, but now I hear Pastor Berg tisk- tisking-, tisking me every time I toss a wet pre-fold in it. Am I overthinking it? Yes, uh, you're overthinking it. <laughs> I uh, mean, moving on. I, 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 no, no. I, I think <laughs> I think that's a good thing. I mean, if things are free, you can wear them out. But right. I don't like it, the Dias del Muerte. Dia de los Muertos. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, the Day of the Dead. I don't like that. I mean, although I have done some research into it and. They're divided on whether this is ancestor worship or kind of a, a 
a memento mori. It started mm. as a Catholic thing, and then it kind of became something else. Is what yeah, I, I mean, understand uh, it but but it's divided on that. Whether it, you know, some are pushing the indigenous roots of it, and others are pushing its Christian roots, and so it's kind of weird. I don't know. I don't know what to think of it. I don't like it. So all right, moving on, but not too much. I have a question related both to godly desires and also to a topic I believe you touched on recently. The United States as God's chosen country. Have you ever heard of the book The Light and the Glory by Peter Marshall and David Manuel? No. I step <laughs> Sorry, and David Manuel, I stumbled across the children's version which makes clear to young readers how God worked through the founders of America to establish this nation, starting with Christopher Christbearer Columbus. The first page of his story, see attached image, includes these sentences. Quote, a God-given love of the sea took Christopher out on the ocean many times. In his journal, he wrote that God himself had given him the idea to sail west into the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, quote, it was the Lord who put into my mind the fact that it would be possible <coughs> to sail from here to the Indies. End quote, he explained. There is no question that the inspiration was from the Holy Spirit. But there is a question, right? Was it 100% missionary zeal or a mix of zeal for the Lord and gold? You don't have to keep flogging this topic if you don't want to. My mind is numbed enough through sleep def deprivation that I can listen to the same thing three times before it really sinks in. All right. So, um, yeah, Christopher Columbus, his math was wrong. God wasn't really telling him. Like, he could have thought that. But he thought the world's diameter was like a couple thousand miles less than it actually was. So it was a good thing there was a continent there. Because <laughs> otherwise he would have died. <laughs> yeah. You know, so um, first of all, this seems like uh, American evangelical, you know, God has laid it on my heart, blah, 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 yakety schmackety mm -hmm. stuff. I mean, right. so and like, anyway, you got something to say? Yeah, I would say the problem with this is the fact that it, it kind of goes into how what's going on in Israel is we then think that there is a God-given thing to keep America <coughs> as it is. And, and, and when we think of where the church is growing, where is it? It's not here. Mm -hmm. And it's very kind of short-sighted in the fact that we are not the, the new Israel. We're not the old Israel. The Israel isn't the new Israel. It's all nations. Mm -hmm. And it's modif modifying all of that, to use Hannah's words. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't like it. Now, uh, now I think perhaps uh, I think Christopher Christopher Columbus was a pious man. I think he tried to do what was best. I'm not sure he always succeeded in doing what was best. But everything in this life is stained with sin. Of course, right. No one is going to finance your expeditions unless they think they're going to make some money. Right. So, did, did God lay it on Chris, Christopher Columbus's heart? I think God made him curious. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I think. You know what uh, I mean? Well, uh, yeah. You, you, you know why they finally funded his expedition over over the ocean? Because the Dutch had founded New Hope, you know, the Cape of New Hope, because mm -hmm. they found the Horn of Africa, and they're like, yeah, now we can go to India, and we can get all of our spices. And, and then the Spanish were like, oh, crap. We are going to have to pay the Dutch stuff. So, so Let's basically find a what, quicker way. To, to use this all, put this all in a, in a bow, I would say this then. Rather than using this as God kind of leading us to do all those other things, I think this and the search of spices, uh, it all came together because God was leading us uh, to build Taco Bell. I think. Or That is exactly the to, answer. <laughs> or leading us to bring the gospel to all nations, to the... Indians who had not yet been reached. Yeah. Whether Columbus meant to do it or not, he still used uh, his accidental discovery to the benefit of the kingdom of God. See, the gospel in one hand and a burrito in the other <laughs> hand. Yeah, we can have both. Yeah. yeah. See, we don't have to choose. Hannah, you don't have to choose. Right. Why not both? It's all good. So I think we should maybe as a, as a podcast, maybe uh, make a pilgrimage to a Taco Bell in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> Well, or we could like you know go to our own respective Taco Bells, and then I'd liked I liked that idea the... until you said we had to go to Ohio. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I I don't because you know there are things there. Moving on, like Ohioans. 
<laughs> let's finish up Hannah's email right, and yes. let's fin- call it an episode. <laughs> All right. In other feedback, I would tolerate another red team, green team debate. I even enjoyed potluck as a topic. Perhaps you could red team the LSB or ESV. I like yeah. those. Those are yeah, really that's good. A, that's a great idea. Let's All right. These apart. All right. Which uh, which one are you gonna? Well, we don't have time this I time. I don't care. I just want to destroy we'll talk about it all. Later. Okay, burn it down. <laughs> yeah. In other news, my secret cookie stash, secret from my children, is running low. So please send more. All baby flip flop does is nurse, sleep, and grow with a smile thrown in here and there for good measure. But I can't make milk out of smiles. Oh, and did I mention that our Vicar app upgraded as well? Vicar 2.0 has noticeably shinier shoes. Your sister in Christ, but mom in podcast land was putting off washing the dishes by writing this long email. Hannah. We're, we're happy to help, Hannah. <laughs> yes. I toast you. Know that uh, uh, today is a big day because you have been joined in this podcast world by a super fan, the Baron. <laughs> the Baron himself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that ends our show. Uh, thank you for listening. This is Bullhagen. This is Berg. And this is Vicar. And may your Taco Bell be colonized. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.